Welcome to Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 16 of An Alarm to the Unconverted by Richard Baxter. I beseech you now, let his word come nearer to your hearts. As you are convinced you have no reason to destroy yourselves, so tell me what reason you have to refuse to turn and live to God. What reason hath the veriest worldling or drunkard or ignorant, careless sinner of you all? Why should you not be as holy as any you know and be as careful for your souls as any other? Will not hell be as hot to you as to others? Should not your own souls be as dear to you as theirs to them? Hath not God as much authority over you? Why then will ye not become a sanctified people as well as they? Oh, sirs, when God bringeth down the matter to the very principles of nature, and shows you that you have no more reason to be ungodly than you have to damn your own souls? If yet you will not understand and turn, it seems a desperate case that you are in. And now, either you have reasons for what you do or you have not. If not, will you go on against reason itself? Will you do that which you have no reason for? But if you think you have, produce them and make the best of your matter. Reason the case a little while with your fellow creature, which is far easier than to reason the case with God. Tell me, man, here before the Lord, as if thou wert to die this hour, why shouldst thou not resolve to turn this day before thou stir from the place thou standest in what reason hast thou to deny or to delay? Hast thou any reasons that satisfieth thine own conscience for it, or any that thou darest own and plead at the bar of God? If thou hast, let us hear them, bring them forth, and make them good. But alas, what poor stuff, what nonsense Instead of reasons, do we daily hear from ungodly men. But for their necessity, I should be ashamed to name them. Number one. One saith, If none shall be saved but such converted and sanctified ones as you talk of, heaven would be but empty. Then God help a great many. Answer. What, it seems you think God doth not know, or else that he is not to be believed? Measure not all by yourself. God hath thousands and millions of his sanctified ones, but yet they are few in comparison of the world, as Christ himself hath told us in Matthew seven thirteen fourteen, and Luke twelve thirty two. It better beseems you to make that use of this truth which Christ teacheth you, strive 
to enter in at the straight gate. For straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. But wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Luke thirteen twenty two through 24 And fear not, little flock, saith Christ to his sanctified ones, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke twelve thirty two. Objection 2 I am sure if such as I go to hell, we shall have store of company. Answer And will that be any ease or comfort to you? Or do you think you may not have company enough in heaven? Will you be undone for company? Or will you not believe that God will execute his threatenings because there are so many that are guilty? All these are silly, unreasonable conceits. Objection 3. But all men are sinners, even the best of you all. Answer. But all are not unconverted sinners. The godly live not in gross sins, and their very infirmities are their grief and burden, which they daily long and pray and strive to be rid of. Sin hath not dominion over them. Objection 4. I do not see that professors are any better than other men. They will overreach and oppress and are as covetous as any. Answer. Whatever hypocrites are, it is not so with those that are sanctified. God hath thousands and ten thousands that are otherwise. Though the malicious world doth accuse them of what they can never prove and of that which never entered into their hearts. And commonly they charge them with heart sins, which none can see but God, because they can charge them with no such wickedness in their lives as they are guilty of themselves. Objection 5. But I am no whoremonger, nor drunkard, nor oppressor, and therefore, why should you call upon me to be converted? Answer. As if you were not born after the flesh, and had not lived after the flesh, as well as others. Is it not as great a sin as any of these for a man to have an earthly mind and to love the world above God and to have a faithless, unhumbled heart? Nay, let me tell you more, that many persons that avoid disgraceful sins are fast glued to the world and as much slaves to the flesh and as strange to God and averse to heaven in their more civil course, as others are in their more shameful, notorious sins. Objection 6. But I mean nobody any harm, or do no harm, and why then should God condemn me? Answer. Is it no harm to neglect the Lord that made thee, and the work for which thou camest into the world? 
and prefer the creature before the creator and neglect grace that is daily offered thee? It is the depth of thy sinfulness to be insensible of it. The dead feel not that they are dead. If once thou wert made alive, thou wouldst see more amiss in thyself and marvel at thyself for making so light of it. Objection 7. I think you will make men mad under a pretense of converting them. It is enough to rack the brains of simple people to muse so much on matters too high for them. Answer number one. Can you be madder than you are already? Or at least can there be a more dangerous madness than to neglect your everlasting welfare and willfully undo yourselves? Number two, a man is never well in his wits till he be converted. He neither knows God, nor sin, nor Christ, nor the world, nor himself, nor what his business is on the earth, so as to set himself about it till he be converted. The scripture saith that the wicked are unreasonable men, Second Thessalonians 3, 2, and that the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, 1 Corinthians 1, 20, and Luke fifteen seventeen. It is said of the prodigal that when he came to himself, he resolved to return. It is a wise world where when men will disobey God and run to hell for fear of being out of their wits. And three, what is there in the work that Christ calls you to that should drive a man out of his wits? Is it the loving of God and calling upon him and comfortable thinking of the glory to come and the forsaking of our sins and the loving of one another and delighting ourselves in the service of God? Are these such things as should make men mad? And for, and whereas you say that these matters are too high for us, you accuse God himself for making this our work and giving us his word and commanding all that will be blessed to meditate in it day and night. Are the matters which we are made for and which we live for too high for us to meddle with? This is plainly to unman us and to make beasts of us, as if we were like to them that must meddle with no higher matters than what belongeth to flesh and earth. If heaven be too high for you to think on and to provide for, it will be too high for you ever to possess. And five, if God should sometimes suffer any weak-headed person to be distracted by thinking of eternal things, this is because they misunderstand them and run without a guide. And of the two, I had rather be in the case of such a one than of the mad, unconverted world that take their distraction to be their wisdom. Objection 8. I do not think that God doth care so much what men think or speak or do, as to make so great a matter of it? Answer. It seems, then, you take the word of God to be false. And then, what will you believe? 
But your own reason might teach you better, if you believe not the scriptures. For you see, God doth not set so light by us, but that he vouchsafed to make us, and still preserveth us, and daily upholdeth us, and provideth for us. And will any wise man make a curious frame for nothing? Will you make or buy a clock or a watch and daily look to it and not care whether it go true or false? Surely, if you believe not a particular eye of providence observing your hearts and lives, you cannot believe or expect any particular providence to observe your wants and troubles to relieve you. And if God had so little cared for you, as you imagine, you would never have lived till now. A hundred diseases would have striven, which should first destroy you. Yea, the devil would have uh, haunted you and fetched you away alive, as the great fishes devour the less, and as ravenous beasts and birds devour others. You cannot think that God made man for no end or use. And if he made him for any, it was sure for himself. And can you think he cares not whether his end be accomplished and whether we do the work that we are made for? Yea, by this atheistical objection, you make God to have made and upheld all the world in vain. For what are all other lower creatures for? But for man, what doth the earth but bear us and nourish us? And the beasts do serve us with their labors and lives, and so of the rest. And hath God made so glorious a habitation, and set man to dwell in it, and made all his servants, and now doth he look for nothing at his hands, nor care how he thinks or speaks or lives? This is most unreasonable. This concludes episode 16 of An Alarm to the Unconverted by Richard Baxter.